Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Volume. Darwin. The Nerds is where it's at. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Brever and alongside me is Logan Camden. And boy, oh boy, do we have some fun playoff football to talk about with you all today. This was the culmination of many things in the Nerd Sesh world. We had, of course, the Nerd Sesh Bowl, Bill Steelers, with a bet riding on that, along with just our <laughs> mental health, depending on who won. We had Baker Mayfield, Logan's guy, going up against the Fraud Eagles, question mark, question mark no longer. So we're going to get into all of that, but we got to start with the Nerd Sesh Bowl, Logan. I feel for you, of course, your Steelers are done, but those Buffalo Bills looked pretty good. How impressed were you by what you saw from the Bills? I was super impressed with what I saw from the Bills, Carson, and... Everything about this game, man. First, we can start with superhuman Josh Allen. Uh, I wrote here, um, Josh Allen is a tank monster, beast mode, yes. mega Superman Hulk. Correct, That's, accurate. Uh, basically what I got. I mean, the two biggest plays in this game for me, for Buffalo, three, excuse me, uh, the tush push on that crucial third down. Bro, how, how, Josh, how? Didn't, how Josh didn't go down, because I'm not going to lie. I got fired up when he when Josh got rocked. I went, yeah, like I mean, I, I thought he got stuffed. Bro, I started dapping up. His leg was fully up in the yeah. air. That was insane, dude. I was so convinced that Josh didn't get it. I turned around to dap up my roommate, and then he goes, "Hey, man, he got it." And I went, "What?" <laughs> I, I I couldn't believe that Josh stayed on his feet, man. Mm-hmm. He is a tank. And then the other big play in this game. Uh, Herbig gets in the backfield, and so does another pass rusher. Uh, long third down. I don't know how he extends the play, gets out of the pocket, makes such a big play, and it's just all game long. Uh, along with that, I loved Joe Brady and his play calling uh, to grind the Steelers mm-hmm. into submission. And normally that isn't something that you know I think we should give a ton of uh, kudos for, you know, good situational play calling. But you see, like, uh, for example... Uh, the Super Bowl, Falcons-Patriots, right? When the Falcons are up so large in that game, it's obvious. 
run the clock out. Just give the ball to your running back and let him put the game away. The Bills didn't play. They said, James Cook, we're getting push up front. Go ahead, end this game for us. Mm -hmm. And he did. Uh, And then the last component of this, the final big play that really puts the Steelers away is that Khalil Shakir uh, drag route. And that was something that I noted on the show last week. I was really impressed with the Bills' surrounding playmakers without Gabe Davis. I thought Dalton Kincaid could play a huge supporting second role. I thought Shakir was dynamic enough as a playmaker to pull his weight, and he comes up huge in this game. And it's a real shame that it happens to be Minka Fitzpatrick that's coming up there. I can tell you exactly what that is. That's that's field rust. You know what I mean? Minka hasn't played Mm -hmm. all year, and he made some big plays in this game. I don't want to put it all on Minka. He should have made that tackle. But normally Minka's strong enough to where if he does that to a guy, he always goes down. Shakir, a small dude, catches his balance, uh, puts his hand down. A great play from Shakir. So really all across the board offensively, I'm in with the Bills, man. Mm -hmm. Uh, Josh and what he does, obviously he's one of the great playoff performers. Carson, you sent out a tweet that sums it up. Uh, To any Josh Allen detractors, Suck it, man. I don't know what else Josh has to do for y'all to finally give the man some props. Josh is uh, insane. Uh, Came up huge. The play calling's been great. The playmakers pulled their weight uh, around Josh. The one concern I have, Carson, uh, is just about the injuries that we saw today. Uh, Yes. Damn, they, they suffered a lot of losses, and this is already a team that's really beat up. And considering the fact that they are going to have to play Kansas City in effectively a short week, five days from now, it really hurts. And so I don't like that aspect of it. That's the one aspect of this game that really hurts for Buffalo. But everything else, Buffalo showed up. They didn't play with their food, and they handled business today. I think you hit on a lot of the key takeaways from this game. This was a strong performance from the Bills, who I was very confident were going to win this game. I know that you felt the Steelers had a little bit more upset potential. I Mm -hmm. thought the Bills were going to win by three touchdowns, and (laughs) they were in position to do that. And if not for a little bit of Steelers voodoo magic with a blocked field goal that then they scored on the subsequent drive, and then the second missed field goal by Tyler Bass, like this could have been a real blowout. It was pretty obvious who controlled this game throughout. And you do have to give credit to Joe Brady for continually committing to run the football. And you have to give credit to James Cook for just being Mm -hmm. a damn good running back. And that is such a fundamental shift in this Bills identity over the second half of this season since they let Ken Dorsey go. Since November 13th, the last two months, the Bills are averaging 155 rushing yards per game. That is third in the NFL. Compare that to the first nine games, they averaged 108 rushing yards per game. So, It is so much more balanced, this offense, than it's ever been. And James Cook is a weapon in the run game that the team hasn't had. Like, Josh has always been, by far, the team's best quote-unquote running back. And yeah, in short yardage situations, he still clearly is, because James Cook doesn't necessarily have that sort of physicality, but his vision, his speed... His shiftiness, all of that is really, really impressive. But Josh Allen, to me, is the hero of this game. And it's like you said, dude, you put it so articulately. If you are still a Josh Allen denier, then suck it. Just suck it, man. Like, this dude has so consistently delivered on the biggest stage. I tweeted this out earlier, but it's just unbelievable. Out of all quarterbacks with eight or more career playoff starts, Josh ranks fifth in passer rating, sixth in passing yards per game, By far number one in rushing yards per game, up towards 55. By far number one in total yards per game, over 336. 
Second in total touchdowns per game, 2.7, only trailing Mahomes. And here's the kicker, Logan. Here's what they don't want you to know. Here's what the lamestream media is going to do everything they can to keep away from you. He has the lowest interception percentage in playoff history of dudes to start eight or more games. 1.2% of passes that Josh Allen has thrown in the playoffs have been intercepted. And this is something that I've tried to hammer home. You get the best version of Josh in the playoffs because you get dialed in, Josh. You don't get goofy Astro circuits. What the hell is he doing, Josh? Because he takes every play and every game seriously. And he has that mode. He's always had that mode since he took the leap back in Mm -hmm. 2020 of surgical, picking you apart, not forcing the issue. That's what he does in the playoffs. And that's why you get the best version of him. Because yeah, you have special playmaking in this game too. I don't know if anybody else on the planet could have done what he did on that 52-yard run. Obviously, a guy like Lamar, Justin Fields, faster in the open field. But the way that he just bounced off of Levi Wallace, man, sayonara, see you later. He was gone. And he was in control the entire game. He drove the Bills into scoring position on seven different drives. His first two touchdown throws were on a rope. The third and nine conversion that he had to Diggs, a big spot extending a drive as the Steelers were fighting their way back into that game. Just an incredible throw back across his body on the run, right where it needed to be. And, uh, I mean, even that almost touchdown throw to Dalton Kincaid, where one of the Steelers' DBs made a great play, like that ball was perfectly placed. And that's a throw that only maybe three or four guys in the league can make whatsoever. So, he delivered. That's what he does. The Bills have averaged 27.2 points per game in the playoffs with Josh Allen. He has five playoff wins in the last four years. Like, this dude is so clearly a top three quarterback in the NFL. And there's going to be a lot of people who act like that's obvious now. To me, he's number two, and he's been number two this entire time. But I got to respect Lamar Jackson because he's entered those conversations. But there's a whole lot of people, Logan, who said Josh Allen isn't top five. There were people who said Josh Allen isn't top ten. There were people who said Tua Tungavailoa is better than Josh Allen because there's this obsession with turnovers. And here's my take, okay? Of course, turnovers can be very costly. But sometimes, turnovers are just a way that the possession ends like any other, right? Like a punt or like failing to convert on towns. But we convert on downs. But we put so much more weight into them that people will ignore when a guy is doing so many incredible things that nobody else can do, and he's still leading a lead offense, even in not-so-great circumstances. And the greatness so clearly outweighs the fact that, yeah, he is going to turn the ball over a little bit too much. I'm here with the the destigmatized turnovers movement, okay? Yes, they (laughs) matter, but the notion that just having a few more turnovers than you would like immediately removes you from being elite is ridiculous. And it's this same line of thinking that we see around the league where people are still in love with the old-fashioned pocket passer. Everybody's in love with the Joe Burrows of the world. And there are just dudes who can do more as creators these days. And it looks different, but it's more valuable. And Josh is the epitome of that. Josh Allen led the league in touchdowns this year, too. That's what a lot of people like to conveniently leave out when they're making these arguments. Yeah, by far. Another thing that is so frustrating about this is confirmation bias. Is when people come out and they take a stance on somebody... They so desperately want their original take to be correct that they never change their stance, right? One of my favorite qualities in a person is when they can admit that they're wrong. Mm -hmm. When you have done something wrong and you can say, that's on me, I was wrong, or you see something that changes your mind, right? Our opinions should be fluid. They shouldn't always be solid. You know what I'm saying? You should be passionate about it, but... You shouldn't always just be glued to a take because mm-hmm. you believed it at one point. When Josh is doing these things game to game, I, you know what? I, it's okay to be wrong. 
you can say hand up. I was wrong about yeah. it's okay. Yeah. That's what happens. Like, and so, and that's another thing too is these players get better. I was wrong about Jordan Love at the start of this season. Oh, and yeah, so was as I. the season advances, goes along, you see his progression. Josh has gotten better at that, too. He's gotten better at protecting the football. He's got better at all of these things. And, Carson, I'll tell you when I knew that the Steelers were cooked. Mm. The start of this game. Josh <laughs> Allen is one of the best rhythm quarterbacks yeah. in the game. And I saw that first drive, and I went, well, we're done. Mm-hmm. We just don't compete in the QB advantage. And when Josh is in that rhythm, there's only one quarterback that I would take over him. There's only one quarterback I take over in period. And that's Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Like, it's okay to be wrong, guys. Our opinions can be fluid. These players change. Our opinions change. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. You can admit that Josh is that great. Like, it's not, you don't have to stay to it, man. Now, here's where I will say I wouldn't be so willing to give a pass. Josh has been this dude for four years now. So, if it's yeah. taking you this long to catch up, I mean, since 2020, he has 22 more touchdowns than any other player in the NFL. He is the first guy ever to have four-plus seasons with 40-plus touchdowns. I've given all the stats about consistently elite, how consistently elite this Bills offense has been. Like, if you're still denying it, then uh, you're stuck in mud, man. You're just missing out. I was going to ask you, because I've never rooted against Josh Allen. So I was curious. Clearly, to me, Patrick Mahomes is still the best quarterback in the NFL. But when a dude is really on... Do you think Josh is the scariest to face, or do you still think that it's Mahomes? No, Mahomes has that. All right, fair. Mahomes has that Brady aura to him where I'm like, Mm. damn. There's a little, there's always a glimmer of hope with Josh because of the turnover element. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying to completely wipe it away, but I was holding out hope on those last drives. I was like, please, Josh, just, just give us one. But there is merit. When Josh is on at his complete, like that touchdown run, Mahomes is a great scrambler. Who else is doing? I mean, yeah. he looked. I mean, I feel like there's one other quarterback in NFL history that could have done something like that in that fashion, and that's Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you take Josh's arm with that, and you have that running ability, uh, it really is a combination unlike any other. Yeah, that's fair, and that's what I figured your answer would be. I do think that there's a consistency with Mahomes and a faith that he's not going to make that one bad play. But boy, like we've just seen those games, the. F- the classic battle against Kansas City is a prime example. When Josh is perfect as a passer, which he can be, and he is killing you as a rusher, like, good God, man. That's one of the best dudes to ever play football, period, point mm-hmm. blank. And now that they do have a legitimately good run game and weapons other than Diggs are consistently stepping up. Shout out to Dalton Kincaid, who made some really nice plays in this game. Great hands, was open a lot. Shakir obviously had that one awesome touchdown after the catch, and that dude is good. He's fast. He's shifty. Deontay Hardy, who I don't much like, but, I mean, he had a really nice play in the open field today. So other guys are stepping up, and when all those things are coming together, this offense can be the best in the league, and this team can beat anybody. The one concern for me is absolutely what you briefly touched on, This Bills defense has been decimated, bro. Decimated. And I do want to shout out Ed Oliver, first of all, because he was dominant in this game. He has played at an all-pro level this year, or at least very close to it. Three quarterback hits. He generated 10 pressures, which is the most by a defensive tackle in the playoffs over the last six years, according to NFL's next-gen stats. He was awesome. He's been awesome all year. But... We've talked since early in the season, right? You lose Trey White for the year. You lose Matt Milano for the year. Then you have dudes like Rasul Douglas, who they bring in through trade. And he's awesome. Like, he is one of the best defensive players on this team. You have a guy like Dodson step up. 
as a linebacker, and he has been really good. Both of those dudes were out for this game. Then you have Christian Benford and Taron Johnson, who have been fantastic DBs this year, also stepping in in the absence of a guy like Trey White and just the failure of Kyir Elam, who had to play in this game, but like was supposed to be a, a real difference maker as a first-round pick last year, and it turns out he just sucks. Both those dudes leave this game with injury. Terrell Bernard, who has been an important linebacker, goes out for the game. So by the end of things, this was pretty much a practice, a practice squad defense, and you felt a real shift in terms of how easily the Steelers were able to move the ball. The Steelers had zero points on their first six drives. And on their last five drives, they had 17 points. And even on that final drive, they were moving the ball, right? If that wasn't a touchdown or bust scenario, and if the clock wasn't running out, maybe they would have scored again there. Maybe they would have gotten a field goal. So I am terrified about that for the Chiefs game. I feel as good about this Bills offense as I have all year. This is the best overall combination on that front, and Josh... He's playing awesome. I have the utmost faith in him. But I do worry about them getting stops when they are just down this many key dudes. And this is already a defense that had A.J. Klein come off his couch this yeah. week to come and play and lead the, lead team, the team in tackles. tackles. Yeah. It's ridiculous, honestly. Uh, and big shout-out to your D-line. Uh, I, the one thing I wanted to add about Ed Oliver, mm. he's going up against Mason Cole. Mason Cole sucks. Yeah, that fair. guy's a bum. Um, yeah. Shout-out Ed Oliver, though. And, and your D-line in general, Greg Rousseau was getting pressure. Yeah. You guys were getting... Uh, a ton of push on us up front and dominated in the trenches too against Pittsburgh, which I, I didn't really anticipate. Yeah, that's really the strength of this Bills defense. Well, I will say the secondary, even down a couple of key guys, like the corners had really been balling out. And they end this game without all th their top four corners, bro, when you consider Trey White. Like, that is a problem. But yes, you have to give props to what Rousseau has done this year, to what Leonard Floyd has done, to Ed Oliver, as I said. Now Daquan Jones is back, AJ Epinesa. Like, that unit has consistently been a strength. But I worry if they just don't have, as they say, the Jimmys and Joes out there for the Chiefs. What's next for the Steelers, Logan? That's really the question, right? Yes, uh, that's why I asked it. I don't know. The Steelers are stuck between a rock and a hard place. And I'll tell you what, if it's between the bottom of the barrel and mediocrity, give me mediocrity. I don't want to go into a game. Wow. I don't want to go into each and every individual game feeling like I'm a rebuilding team with nothing to chase. If it is, if our destiny is getting to the playoffs every year, and this is the instance, I'm not okay with just middling, but I'd rather have something to look forward to than just be a shitty team. And that's the dilemma. The real issue for Pittsburgh is that they have found themselves without a leader in a quarterback renaissance. For the next 10 to 15 years, every single year, Joe Burrow, mm -hmm. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, C.J. Stroud, the entire playoff field is going to have a better quarterback than who is suiting up for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's a problem. Quarterback is the most important position in football. We all know this. Yeah. That's the real problem to me, is that the Steelers do not have their guy. And I want to be clear about something. I'm all right with rocking with Mason Rudolph as our guy. I'm okay with it. I really, really like Mason. I like his composure. I like his leadership. I think the locker room buys into this guy more. And he has better tape than Kenny Pickett. And I want to cut Kenny some slack here, too, because I do like Kenny Pickett, too. And I think you can win games with him. I just think Mason has a little more explosivity in his down-to-down -down play. Again, I think Kenny can limit turnovers. I think he can make throws. He's just not as big of a playmaker. Now, 
the reason I say that is because we are seeing quarterbacks get better. Geno had the renaissance. Jordan Love has improved so much better. And again, Mason is in a drastically different position. He's been here for a while. He's older. But that doesn't mean that I don't think that Mason can play better football. One of the glaring things on tape to me today was that he wasn't getting rid of the ball fast enough. And I don't know if it was because guys weren't getting separation. Mason held on to the ball much too long in a lot of plays. And big credit to our offensive line. I shit on Mason Cole. Uh, excuse my French. They blocked their asses off today for Mason. They bought him a ton of time in the pocket. And I thought he could have done a job of getting rid of the ball better. But I'm okay with Mason Rudolph being our guy for next season. Wow. That's interesting to me. You really are embracing the let's do whatever we can to win eight, nine games every single year. As I've said to you, though, I think if you are going to go that route, you can still upgrade for Mason Rudolph. Mm-hmm. Maybe you don't want to dedicate the cap to a guy like Kirk Cousins who would be an actual difference maker. I think you get Russell Wilson for cheap. It's... I think he's an upgrade from Mason. Like, But that doesn't really matter, man. You're, I'm you're... just surprised that you maintain this philosophy because it's so stagnant. It's so hear, hear stagnant. Me hear me out. Okay. I don't... Um... I, I think that we... I don't want to allocate resources like that when I don't think it's going to make a meaningful difference. Here's what I mean is I think the Steelers are still so far away that we're not just a quarterback away. That Because yeah. we have other weaknesses that we need to attack, interior offensive line, secondary linebacker depth, and our guys up front are getting older. So this is a transitional period. And what I mean by that is instead of going out and taking Russell Wilson and Kirk Cousins and still having the same result, 11 it's somewhere between 9 and 11 wins, skirting into the playoffs, mm-hmm. probably getting bounced in the first or second round. Instead of allocating all of those resources, if it's a first-round draft pick or if it's a lot of money into a quarterback, take Mason, let Mason win us 9 to 11 games every year, and build the roster around him until we can find that generational guy that's going to put us over the top. But you're never going to draft highly in that world. Yeah, I, that is that, that sucks. I mean, but that's why you get into trades. I don't know. I and here's the other thing about it is because I know this is the other crossroads that the Steelers are at. Brooke Pryor uh, asked the question to close out the press conference. Mike Tomlin storms off. I do think I love Brooke Pryor. I love the work that she does for the Steelers. I don't think that was the time or place. Like our season did end. You're talking 10 about minutes ago. her asking. She said, "Mike, you have one year left on your contract," and then he literally just left the podium. He looked heartbroken, man. He looked really. He, Mike looked really dejected and. That's obviously the, the, the big question is, is what's going to happen with Mike Tomlin. And the reason I don't want to let go of Mike is we've seen something with coaches. The most important quality, I think, in an NFL's head coach is leadership and communication. And if guys in the locker room are going to buy into you to lead them, guys buy into Dan Campbell. Guys buy into Mike Vrabel. I know he just got fired. It's probably not the best example that I can give. They buy into Robert Sala. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I like that kind of coach. And there may be a ceiling with Mike, but Cam Hayward is one of my favorite people. Not just football, but Cam Mm -hmm. is an awesome dude, an awesome human being, and he loves Mike. And T.J. Watt is an awesome human being, and he loves Mike. And all of the good Steelers preach about what a good dude and that they would go to war for Mike. Mm -hmm. If I got guys in my locker room that are ready to run through a wall, then I don't want to let that guy go because I think Mike Tomlin actively improves young men. I think he loves them as people and not just players. I think he's a he's just a damn good leader. And I can't quit 
on a guy that is that good of a leader and that has been this consistent. I understand the Steeler fans' frustration. Carson, this is the happiest I've been after a playoff game in years. Mind you, we got beat by 14 points. Yeah. I should not be happy. And yeah. the slow starts in, this, in the Tomlin era are a real concern. The Steelers have been stuck in the mud at the beginning of games. Our wheels just don't start turning. If we were a car, we would have grass growing under our tires. Carson, in our last five playoff games, we have been outscored 66-0 to in the first quarter. That is an alarming number. We have been outscored 122-47 to in the first half of our last five playoff games. That's the issue, is we are unprepared when it comes into the playoff uh, stage. We are just slow getting out of the gates. And I also think that the Steelers just haven't been as talented as other teams that we've played. And that, to me, is the testament to Mike. Why do you want to get rid of the guy that... uh, I think it was Julian Edelman or somebody made such a terrific analogy about Bill Belichick. It's like a towel. The the water is the player's talent, and Bill is going to ring and get every Mm -hmm. bit of talent and effort out of these guys. Mike Tomlin does the same. And so I want to be clear about that number. I do think it speaks to two things. I think the Steelers have been underprepared coming into games. But I also think it speaks to the drastic talent disadvantage that the Steelers have been at. And they have continuously overachieved in the Tomlin era. Without Mike Tomlin, where did you guys think we would be? I think we win four games. Mm -hmm. I can't do that. I can't. I would... I might shave my head again if we win four <laughs> games. I'm going to lose it, man. As a Steeler fan, I have been fat. I have been sassy. I have been spoiled. God bless you, Mike. Thank you. I came into this game, and I thought we could beat the Buffalo Bills because of Mike Tomlin and nobody else because I buy into the guy. And I think he has caught a lot of flack for overachieving. Mm-hmm. I get it. We have faltered on the playoff stage, but I think our expectations have been too high. The Super Bowl is the standard. I want to get back there. I don't think we're close, but I'm just not ready to quit on Mike Carson. And this is me from a Steeler perspective. I, I want to get yours. Yeah. As an outsider, what direction do you think the Steelers should take? Well, I'm a huge Mike Tomlin guy. I am absolutely with you. I love the towel analogy. Like, nobody, nobody has done a better job of maximizing very limited talent over the past few years. Getting to the playoffs with rosters that just don't belong there through whatever combination of brilliant coaching and voodoo magic and crazy timely plays that nobody else gets. But to me, when you start the season day one and say, we're content with our starter being a top five, a bottom five day one starter in the league, and we know who he is, and we're going to have a bottom five offense in the league because of that and because we're really not all that good anywhere else, you've lost the season. The season's over. You can win nine games. You can do the craziest things imaginable. You can be outgained in your first nine games of the season and find a way to win six of them, and you can just somehow will your way to the playoffs over and over and over again. But you're going to lose by three touchdowns to the Kansas City Chiefs every time. Every time. A team like that in a playoff scenario, they are just way more talented. The Bills, you're going to fall behind 21-0 early, and you can't come back from that. And to me, that's what that I, would that's be infuriating. What I... That's what I disagree with, Carson. This end of the stretch of this season has given me, I believe. Really? I believe the Steelers can hear me out. you also lost the Cardinals and the Pats back-to-back. Yes, but 
We have looked like a completely different offense with our new offensive coordinators. Mason Rudolph played really efficient football and safe. He didn't have any interceptions. He protected the ball. Hear me out. I think Mason can improve next year as the season goes along. I think he is relatively inexperienced as a starter. He is not great. I think he can improve. He's 30 almost. The Steelers have a dominant number one offensive weapon, and that's why I see a higher ceiling potentially. His name is George Pickens, and the G stands for get him the damn ball. (laughs) My dad texted me during this game when George was making plays, and shout out Mason. Mason had some awesome play extension plays in the game, uh, had some great plays to George. George Pickens, I I, I understand his frustration. He is a talent of a guy that my dad texted me. He said, I'm getting that guy the ball 10 to 20 times a game. I am. I am deliberately scheming up. 10 touches. I want the ball in George's hands as much as mm-hmm. possible. That guy, you can. I think you can build an offense. I think he's a number one bona fide receiver, and I don't think we do enough to draw stuff up for him. And that's what I'm saying, too. If you're switching in quarterbacks, if you're rotating guys in and out, if there's flux, you can't ever build chemistry with these guys. I want Mason to have confidence under center where he can change stuff on the fly. There was one play in this game where finally we had an isolated corner on the end of the formation with George. It was one-on-one, and the Bills were running a single high safety. We're in a five-wide set. So what that means is that safety has to pick where he's going to go, and if he doesn't go to George's side of the field, Mm -hmm. that means it's one-on-one. I would have ran a post with the guy next to George, take that safety out. I would have ran a slant with the slot guy to take the linebackers to the left side and hopefully take that safety and distract him enough. Boom, you got a one-on-one for George, and I'm attacking that, and I'm doing that all day long. That's what I think can be different. And if the Steelers invest and can get an offensive lineman on the interior, can bulk up that, I think the running game is the strength of this team and the offensive line is. And you're never going to have to... You're not going to have to rely on Mason to do a whole lot. And I think if you can force-feed George the ball, there's just... I could see us improving. Now, again, Carson, I already know exactly what you're going to say because you're my best friend, and I feel sometimes we have a telepathic connection. Your question is going to be, what's the point? I don't know, man. What is the point of all this? Oh, here We're we not going to win a playoff <laughs> game, but I think we can be better. I just I don't want to fall. I don't want to fall into that two to six win hole yeah. every single year because in the NFL that is a that is a hard ass hole to climb out of, bruh. It just feels to me like if you were looking at this from the perspective of any other team that was not your favorite team, your Pittsburgh Steelers, you would say that they're in football purgatory. As yes. I've heard you say about a million NBA teams where you get stuck in the middle, they are seemingly in this endless cycle of just subpar quarterback talent. If you think mm-hmm. about the guy they invested in post Ben Roethlisberger was the 20th pick in the draft in one of the weakest quarterback classes ever. And they're going to be consistently picking in that range if they keep on doing this. And it feels like for any other team, you would acknowledge that this is a quarterback league and you need a big time quarterback to compete. Look what happens when you try to stick Joe Flacco in there. At the end of the day, he's too limited. Look what happens with Tua Tungavailoa, who is like multiple cuts above the Steelers dude who we're talking about. Like you got to have a guy. You have to have a guy. A defense and special teams and great coaching and a, a wide receiver one and a solid run game. Those things can get you to 10 wins. 
You got to have a guy if you really want to win it all. And Logan, these turnarounds aren't impossible. Look at what the Texans did. One year, they got their guy, they got their coach, they got their edge rusher. They developed their receiver talent. Boom, three wins to 10 wins, more playoff wins than the Steelers have in how long? Almost a decade now. Like it's, it can happen. And there's at least a ceiling there as opposed to such a low ceiling every year. High floor, such a low ceiling. That we keep hitting our head on. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great point, Carson. I, it's my heart talking, man. I know what that yeah. means. I know what that means. Yeah. The Steelers have to restart. We got to fire Mike Tomlin. We got to let him go. I don't want another coach than Mike Tomlin. I love Mike Tomlin mm-hmm. with my whole heart. I love that man. I don't want him to leave. And I know if we go into a full rebuild, that means we're losing TJ, we're losing Minka, we're losing Cam, we're losing Larry O, we're dealing everybody, and we're hitting the tank button. I can't do that. Now, I want to ask you that, too. Do you think TJ factors in? Does he make this game any more interesting? Does, does that does that factor in there at all to you? Because I do feel like that was lost in the shuffle. Yeah. And, again, I don't know. Like, a lot of things went really wrong for the Pittsburgh Steelers this year, and we still did it. And am I... You don't think this team has any hopes of winning a playoff game next year, Carson, if this defense is close to fully healthy with TJ, with Minka, with all our starters back, with a, a an improved O-line, with a, a more defined offensive... Like, even if it's one playoff win, man, I will take that next year. Here's what I'll say. You're talking about how a lot of things went wrong. I would argue a lot of things went right for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You got defensive touchdowns against both the Browns and the Ravens. You won a couple of big games because of that. You got a version of the Ravens that wasn't playing a lot of their best playoffs, and that's the win that gets you into the playoffs. As we talked about, you're consistently winning games on the back of turnover margin where you're getting outgained. And it's not that that's impossible for the Steelers, but TJ, of course, would make a difference. So would the Bills finishing this game with more than three of their defense's starters. Like, this stuff happens. Every team is overcoming stuff. Every team gets good breaks. Every team gets Mm -hmm. bad breaks. And there are teams that are in position to overcome those circumstances. And they are generally the teams that have a dude at quarterback. And the Steelers don't have that. We'll put a bow on this. Let me ask you this. Okay. Would you let Mike Tomlin walk? Uh... I think Tomlin is one of those dudes where it's like, how can you fire him for so consistently overachieving and winning? I would definitely be pushing for a mutual parting of ways, though. I do think that the ceiling has been reached here. And I do think that as much as Tomlin deserves credit for consistently maximizing this defense, you also have to look at him and acknowledge and look at the front office overall that they haven't been able to remotely figure out the offensive side of the ball for the last five years, ever since, well, Ben retired, but even Ben's last couple years. You weren't encouraged by the end of this year's stretch with the offense? Like, I think this is the best the offense has looked in years. The best the offense has looked in years, I would agree with, but they really had two good games. (laughs) They really had two good offensive games. Like, yeah, it was improvement, but to me, as I've said, that said more about Kenny. That said more about Matt Canada's ineptitude Then Mm -hmm. it did like, oh my God, look at the offensive revolution going on in Pittsburgh. You've gone from awful, awful (laughs) to bad (laughs) offensively. And that's just not going to get you into the conversations that you want to be in. So there is nothing against Mike Tomlin. I think he's an amazing coach. I think he's one of the three best coaches potentially of this century. But 
I think it is just an organizational mindset of we have to move on from this. We have to move on from this mediocrity. We have to try to pivot, bring in a young offensive mind, raise our ceiling. I don't know if they'll do it, but if I were in charge, that is probably what I would do. Now, the other component here, Logan, the other thing riding on this game was not just your joy and your Steelers. We also laid out a bet that whoever lost this game was going to have to do five minutes at an open mic near them with part of that at least written by the other nerd. So that is going to be you. I just want to test out in terms of your stand-up routine, how you like this as an opening. Okay. We're not going to give too much away. This is just a first draft. Let me know if you can see yourself saying this though. Okay. So imagine you walk up onto the stage, booming Mm -hmm. applause. What's up with this economy? I mean, it's up, it's down. You spin it around. Where's Ohio when you need it? Uh, actually the economy is doing quite well. (laughs) I sound like my ex-wife. You guys ever hear of something called gooning? Oh my god. Yeah. So imagine that, but then like three more minutes of that. Um, <laughs> that hit harder than the Steelers loss. Huh? I'm, uh, I'd say I'm less than enthused. Yeah. Uh, I will say we had another bet on the Steelers making the playoffs or not, Carson. It's true. Uh, I have purchased your uh, wig, your head accessory. Thank uh, you. It is on. It is on the way. I am excited for you to. Uh, to grace us with your presence uh, with it on. I'm not excited for that. That being said, uh, this will be a full-fledged production. I'm going to call in some reinforcements uh, from the local Cronkite school. We're going to get a DSLR. We're going to get some mics, and uh, it's going to be a real high-quality production uh, that we'll probably run on uh, all the Nerd Sesh socials. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be awesome from our perspective. (laughs) Hey, also, Carson Carson said, now, again, this is we just got a glimpse of... of, uh, Mm -hmm. Well, that masterpiece that you're uh, writing, and I'd say Carson, go for it. I say just do the full five All right. minutes. I I'll will. just, I'll just, I'll just go for it. I um, will. Carson said that the two comedians uh, that I would be, um, oh yes, <laughs> uh, compared to uh, Bill Cosby mm-hmm. and Kramer uh, from Seinfeld. Yes. So, whatever you want to take from that, yeah, that will uh, shades of those two gentlemen will be in my performance. Yes, two comedic pioneers. Yeah, man. I am worried if they're going to let you stay up there for a full five minutes if you open like this. I personally am fighting off nausea after reciting the Dude, first I don't 20 even, seconds. I've lived here for, you know, three years now. Yeah. I don't know where I could go. You'll find one. You'll find one. It's Phoenix. It's a city. They have open mics. I mean, it's not going to be at like a actual comedy club. It's going to be at a place where some people are doing slam poetry and some people mm-hmm. are singing and playing the ukulele and uh, you're going to go up there and can, do five minutes of whatever the hell this is. It's going to be great. Can I get some clarification? Sure. Am I allowed to reveal to the audience no. that this is a pun? No. Ah! Of course not. Of course not. This is your authentic material. In fact, I might even put in there, hey guys, just so you know, I've been working on this for about a year. This has always been my lifelong dream. This is my first five minutes of stand-up this is ever. Gonna, Here hey, goes nothing. Can I say, can I say yeah. uh, considering that we are doing this on much more of a national stage, I will say this is a dream come true for me. <laughs> we are brainstorming the Impractical Jokers punishments for, for challenges for about three years now. It's so you true. know what? It's going to be cringy. I'm kind of pumped. I get to be myrrh. Yeah. I get to be myrrh. Yeah, and I'm going to be in your ear the whole time. Yeah, man, it actually, is. Actually, dude, it's, that would actually be... That would wait, be funny. How is this going to work? That would be funny. That won't work. I don't know. <laughs> maybe you'll memorize this. Maybe you'll go up there with a piece of paper. If you go up there with a piece of paper, it's kind of funny because it makes you look even worse. But yeah, dude, I'm having to fight <laughs> off here to just like put insane stakes on every week. It's like, all right, Niners, Packers, whoever, whoever picks the wrong team has to go into an alligator pit. 
and they're blindfolded. Like, I kind of want to just keep doing that stuff. But for now, we'll start with this. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is bringing you an offer that'll help make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet five bucks on any game and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code NERDS. New customers can bet just five bucks to get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code NERDS. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problems with gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and Deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Okay, Logan, Logan, we got to talk Bucks Eagles. Where do you want to start with this? Do you want to start with your golden shining boy Baker, or do you want to start with the absolute disaster class that we saw from the Philadelphia Froggles? Uh, I want to start with my beautiful okay. darling boy Baker Mayfield. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. I got clowned by so many people this year preseason when I said that the Bucks were going to win the NFC South. And to my knowledge, I have to be one of the only people on the face of the earth that picked the Bucks to win this playoff game. Yeah. Well, I think that there was some momentum for them, but it was all anti-Eagles momentum more than it was pro-Bucks for sure. And I just think it is time for a lot of people to apologize to Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield... The thing that I loved about him, he's not the most physically gifted. He's not the best not the best quarterback. Baker Mayfield is a great leader, man. He is a great leader, and he plays with such an intensity of fire and a passion. Again, this is a team sport, and I think the one quality that gets overlooked the most is leadership. Can this guy step up, and can, can the guys behind him buy in? Because if the guys behind him don't buy in, they're not going to play hard. Example, the Pittsburgh Steelers get Mason Rudolph in, and he is delivering Christian messages. He is positive. The team played harder. That is a factor in these things. They bought into Mason, and they played really freaking hard for the rest of the season. The Bucs played really hard for Baker, man, and you can tell that they buy into the guy. This is a guy who has had eight head coaches, I believe, in six yeah. years. Everybody quit on Baker. Everybody quit on Baker. And I'll tell you what, Cleveland, if you had kept Baker Mayfield, you might have a Super Bowl potentially in your sights, man. Baker is such a step up from Deshaun. He is such a step up from Joe Flacco. No, he's not. I do think Baker Mayfield is better than Tua. I think I might oh, die. Oh, I was going to ask you that. I was going to say, Let's I think Baker, that. We'll, we'll come back to it. A lot of people were wrong about Baker, and I'm so, I'm so happy for the guy. How I'm so happy for Baker, man. And he endured a lot of struggles in the first half. There were five first-half drops by the Buccaneers. Another component of this is the Eagles' defense completely forgetting how to tackle. That was hilarious. Uh, they allowed 113 yards after the catch in the first half. Yeah, shout-out. Uh, shout-out nobody. Shout-out. <laughs> nobody deserves a shout-out for that, dude. They deserve a public flogging, maybe. Shout-out Philadelphia, man. This was not a uh, 
Uh, this wasn't a perfect game by Baker Mayfield, but it was a great one. He endured a lot, too. The rib injury, the ankle injury. He made timely throws. He made big plays. He did it, and he led this team out. Uh, I'm so proud of Baker. Uh, I knew he could do this, man. I knew he had it in him. I'm so glad the Bucks didn't quit on Baker, and uh, neither did I, man. I'm and With the way the playoff seeding has come out, with the Green Bay Packers winning, we are now going to get San Francisco and Green Bay. I wouldn't count out Baker Mayfield against the Detroit Lions. I certainly like Tampa Bay a lot more against Detroit than I did against San Francisco. Well, Logan, you've said that a lot of people owe Baker an apology. And you also said earlier in the show that one of uh, your favorite qualities in a person was the willingness to admit that they were wrong and tone up to that and be fluid with their thoughts and their takes. So maybe you'll like me a little bit more after this. I'm sorry, Baker. I'm sorry that I didn't fully appreciate your quirked up white boy swag every time that Logan talked about it. I'm sorry that I thought you were a play action merchant and a Stefanski merchant and a Nick Chubb merchant. I'm sorry that I didn't acknowledge that your injuries over the last couple years may have affected your play. I'm sorry that I mocked your progressive commercials. I'm sorry that I didn't realize that all that matters at the end of the day is dog and aura and that you have plenty of both. Your headband is sick. You are a deserving winner of the 2022 MVP, and you are a solid starting quarterback. And I thought that you were a bottom-tier guy, and I counted out the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I was wrong. Dude, that almost brought me to tears. It should. Yeah. Wow. What a touching moment here on Nerd Sesh, man. There's not all that much more for me to say. I mean, Baker played a good game. He did. I don't have a ton to, to add on on Baker either, but I do want to get a gauge of, of where he is. I, I okay. played with Baker in the middle of the QB field, about about league average, and I think that is where he is. I would drop, I would drop, or I don't know, fully healthy is different. That was with an injured league. I think Baker's an average QB. That's exactly where I'd put him, but I think I'd take him over Tua. Wow. Am I crazy for thinking that I would also take Baker over Brock Purdy? Ooh-wee. Boy, the two toughest guys to rank. Are they not Tua and Brock? Oh, they're the toughest. They are the toughest. Here's what I'll say. Let's start with Tua. I still think that Tua is better than Baker, but Baker legitimately does just have way more dog. And I don't mean that in terms of some invisible thing. Sure, it's leadership. Sure, it's effort. But it's the playmaking gene, man. It's the knowledge that at least you're not going to go out limply with this guy, right? He's not going to barely throw the ball past the line of scrimmage for an entire half of football. He's going to push the ball downfield. And you take the good with that. You take the bad with that. Now, I do think that he has been erratic this year. And there has been times where he's inaccurate and he makes bad decisions. And it's not like he has great physical tools. He's certainly got more of an arm than Tua. But if you were to put him in a situation like Miami, maybe he would look better. I don't know. I think that what we've seen from Brock and Tua, those guys consistently are much better in terms of timing. They're much more accurate. And those things down to down make them better overall quarterbacks. And I think that Brock does have that playmaking gene. He is willing to take chances and maybe he makes a couple more mistakes, but he's also going to make a couple more plays. I don't think if there's some massive gap, I would still have Baker three out of those dudes probably. And in terms of the passing game, he's still in a good situation. Not as great as those guys, of course, but he's got Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. So that's pretty legit. But I legitimately thought that like Baker was probably 
a bottom five day one starter. I mean, I certainly liked him more than like Desmond Ritter. I think I liked him more than Sam Howell, but he was somewhere in that tier and he's clearly closer to average than he is to that. I think I would take Baker out of those guys. I think he would go one, Brock would be two for me, and then Tua would be three. On the flip side of this, uh, I think a lot of the things I predicted about the game did come true. I think the Bucks completely had uh, the ability to attack the Eagles' biggest weakness, that horrid, horrid defense. Uh, obviously been bottom three in scoring, uh, or even bottom five for most of the season, bottom three the last uh, couple weeks. And I, I just couldn't tackle anybody. They got the ball to the guys in space and, I mean, just went to work. If it was Rashad White, if it was Mike Evans, if it was Chris Godwin. And, again, that was a big part of my faith in the Bucks coming into this year. It wasn't that Baker Mayfield was this elite, all-time great quarterback. It was that he didn't have to do a whole lot. That he had playmakers that if he just got the ball to in space could go and make things happen. I think that happened all year long. And then the hellacious defensive effort that we got from that Tampa Bay front the push was insane. Uh, shout out Greg Gaines on that tush push. Beautiful demonstration of, one, how to stop it. He got lower than Jason Kelsey. You got to be a dog to eat that, man. To go to the bottom of the pile on the tush push and just eat it. Uh, neutralize the tush push. Got a ton of great um, push up front. And this has been a great run-stopping unit all year long. Uh, with the boys up front and then with the linebacking group. The Eagles just got dog, and you saw the momentum. It was physical. That was a big component of this game to me, too, is that the Eagles had no juice, had no mojo. One of the most, you know, hard things to quantify in sports is that momentum is, are you feeling it right now? And when something bad happens, are you going to put your head down and tuck your tail between your legs? That's a great comp you make about Baker Mayfield and Tua, Carson. Baker has such heart. He cares, man. It's uh, like J.J. Reddick said about Austin Reeves. He's a dick. He cares. He wants to win the game. Winning and losing matters to him. And I'm not saying that Tua doesn't care about winning or losing either. I'm sure he does. But there is a competitive fire. It just, it just shines through Baker's heart that you see. And the Eagles had no heart. When, it, when that push came, they put their heads down. And guess where that starts? your leaders. I would point my finger at Nick Sirianni and I'd let him, I'd kick him to the curb. I think, I think he lost the locker room as the season went along. I think they lost all their mojo and yeah, man, the Eagles gave up. They just rolled over and they let them have it. I mean, that shot of them on the sideline with all the O-line looking like what happened. It's kind of what I expected. This team had zero momentum coming into the playoffs and the slightest pushback that Philly got in this game they gave up. It was the white towel from the jump, it felt like. Yeah, it's tough to overstate how humiliating this was for Philly. But, important to emphasize, not shocking. I was shocked by what happened to the Dallas Cowboys. I was not shocked by what happened to the Philadelphia Eagles. When I think of the biggest frauds in recent memory, they are at the top of that list, man. The 2022 Vikings, negative point differential, couldn't stop anybody beat on a weak-ass schedule, lost in the first round to the New York Giants. Just last year, this was frauds. Cover your ears, Logan. The 2020 Steelers started 11-0. Yeah, that team was uh, certainly not of that caliber, and that was exposed by, by Logan, Baker Mayfield. Ultimately, they lost four of their last five in the regular season, but then Baker hung, like, what, 48 on them? This team, I had more faith in than either one of those. 
The Vikings, I was screaming from the rooftops. They're frauds. The Steelers, I didn't fully buy into. This team was sitting at 10-1, and and they had clear issues defensively, and they were winning games where they were getting outgained, but I still believed in the talent, and I believed in what they had done the year before, and that made me more blind to their issues. I acknowledged them, I said that, but then I was kind of like, yeah, I still think they're good enough to overcome it, and they just weren't. They just weren't, man. Like, that defense, good lord. The linebackers were an embarrassment this year. The secondary was really, really bad. The tackling and space in this game was atrocious. The David Moore touchdown, where the two DBs collided with each other to leave him wide open. It was just like, come on, man. It was a comedy of errors. And the entire last seven weeks really were for the Eagles. This was horrible. And I think that you got to clean house. I don't know if I've ever seen a coach who was as clearly dependent on his coordinators as Nick Sirianni. Like, seriously, bro. You take Shane Steichen out of here. You take Jonathan Gannon out of here. Both sides of the ball take a significant step back. Offensively, they were still good this year, but they certainly weren't what they were last year. They were less effective as a rushing attack. They were less creative there. Jalen Hurts clearly regressed, held onto the ball longer, turned the ball over more, was not nearly as efficient as a passer. Everything got worse. Every single thing got worse. And Sirianni is supposed to be a guy who is just sort of like managing things and isn't really responsible for the team's identity necessarily on either side of the ball. And uh, when you see how he looks without his coordinators, I don't know what he's doing to keep his job. And when this team clearly did play without heart, that's how it felt in this game. That's how it felt last week against the Giants. I see nothing to like about this culture and coaching. All I see to like is, I'll say it for the second time this episode, the Jimmys and Joes. I still think this is a talented football team. And yes, they have clear issues, but this front is still loaded. And offensively, that line is still loaded. And Jalen Hurts, I am lower on, certainly, than I was coming into this past year. And I do wonder, is he a guy who you're going to be comfortable paying $50 a year? They've already done it. Because he looked great last year. But with some of his regression as a decision maker, as a as a high-level mind, working through his progressions, reading different coverages as a passer, I'm concerned by what we've seen from him. But he's still a good quarterback. A.J. Brown is out in this game. You still have him and Devontae Smith, who was awesome. Like, this offense should still be good. And when you have a really good defensive front, you think you figure out the back end and this team could be a contender again soon. But not without coaching changes because... I can't remember the last time I saw a team like this that got less out of their talent. Like, on paper, they should not have been one of the biggest frauds in recent memory, and yet they were. So, yeah, man, I'm for cleaning house. And it's also a historically rich coaching market, which is why I'm, like, even more in the mindset of, hey, Sirianni had a brutal year. He has not justified keeping his job when you could go out there and get a guy who is just objectively better. Or even the the... It's a terrific point, Carson. Even you imagine the, like the, any of the guys they could get. I mean, it's, it's a plug and play. Belichick, uh, Vrabel, Harbaugh. Like you don't necessarily have to get, yes, I think you have to crush the coordinator hires, but for a leader, for the new face of your franchise that you can just plug in there. Like you said, this is a team ready to win tomorrow. Yeah. They just need a new face, I think. And that's what's so remarkable to me, Carson, about uh, both of these Eagles teams' last Super Bowl runs, how uh, shooting stars. You know, you made a point uh, that I said about the Packers. I said 
this is a team that I buy into for the next decade because of their youth, because they have LaFleur as their leader, and because I think they've found their franchise QB. That's why I said that. And you made a great point. You know, you can't ever really predict these things because it's the NFL. What does the NFL stand for? Not for long. The Eagles, both of these uh, cores, you look at and you go, they're dynasties. Oh my God, Carson Wentz is going to come back from injury after his MVP season, after Nick Foles let him. And they're going to run for 10 years. And then Doug Peterson is fired really soon. Yeah. They have a dramatic, really quick retool and rebuild. And then this one, everything's perfect last. It's a Super Bowl. Uh, it's a uh, fairy tale kind of season. New head coach. Hurts is balling out. All these things are great. And now they're right back here. Uh, yeah. It's it's crazy to me how quickly everything can come crashing down. I'm with you, though. I would let Sirianni go. Even with the success that he had last season, I'm bringing in a new face, a guy that I trust to lead more. Mm -hmm. That's on the coach. That energy, that shot crushed me as a fan. If I was an Eagles fan, I would be so ticked off. That's a team that quit. Mm -hmm. They gave up. Yeah. The Steelers fought today, and that's all I wanted, man. They played hard. Mm -hmm. They played hard for Coach T. The Eagles gave up because of Nick Sirianni, in my opinion. Yeah, something is broken there. And there are definitely dudes who can bring you more in every respect, really, culturally, but also in terms of their actual football play-calling acumen on either side of the ball. You have to look at Belichick, man. I mean, where is he going to have more toys to play with? Where is he going to have an offense that, even with their issues, has it more figured out than the alternatives? Was still a productive offense. And you give him a front that that's loaded, I think he can figure things out on the back end. I do. And I know that there's some steam picking up now for him to the Cowboys, which I just don't see as a fit. How the hell are you going to have two kind of control freak? I don't know if I want to say egomaniac in the case of Belichick, definitely in the case of Jerry Jones, but Belichick likes to be in control of everything. He has ran personnel and been the head coach of a team for 24 years and he was very successful I don't know how you put him with a dude who wants to have control like Jerry Jones but the other alternative of the really talented team is Philly I agree with you uh 100% on that I, I don't think it would work but I wouldn't count it out I kind of can't count out Belichick anywhere because so many different places do fit uh like again with his legacy like I think Panthers and Raiders I think Tepper and Davis are so I, the Raiders are sticking with AP, I'm pretty sure. I, good. Good. That's the first good decision Mark Davis has made <laughs> since uh, I still think he's got that haircut. Never mind. Um, the thing with, with Bell, I don't think that works. And I think uh, Chad and Shannon talked about this on Nightcap. I don't think the Cowboys can win with Jerry. I think it's Jerry, man. I think it's it's him, bro. I, I think it starts with him. Um, A curse for racism, perhaps. Yeah, I don't think that works. I don't think that works at all. Um, I would much prefer, I don't know, man. you got to be a tough cookie to go to Dallas, man. I, I, I really would not want that job. Well, I get it. And there's some downsides. But that talent is going to entice somebody. Somebody is going to, again, look at all those toys and say, oh, this mm -hmm. is going to be fun to play with. So we'll see. It's such a fascinating dynamic. I cannot remember in my lifetime yeah. an offseason where – the coaching hirings and firings were so interesting. The one thing that I will say just broadly about this weekend before we move on, Logan, this is something that I mentioned on a live today. We were supposed to watch the Bills Steelers game together, but then 
they basically said that that I was too broke coming from the second Nerd Sesh account, that Logan was too broke coming from his personal account because we didn't have enough followers to go live with ourselves. Tell me how that makes any sense, TikTok. Yeah. Elitists. <laughs> elitists. Silencing the common man. But anyways, I was talking a bit about how it feels like with the NBA, people are always trying to find the things to be negative about. And with the NFL, they just overlook it. Could you imagine if there was a three-game stretch of the NBA playoffs? Or if there was a, a three-day stretch, six-game stretch, whatever, where one of the games was competitive? Most of these games were over in the first half. And yeah. nobody, have you seen a single tweet, heard a single person say, man, the NFL needs to figure out their product. This is a problem. These blowouts. Not at all. Not at all. Because there's a whole lot of faith in the NFL's product. The one advantage that they do have just because of the nature of football is you're always only a couple plays away. If it's two mm -hmm. scores, that could be a couple plays. It's probably not going to be, but you can always talk yourself into that and you're formulating every oh, scenario yeah. that could lead to that. Whereas in the NBA, if you're down 18, you're down 18. You got to do a whole lot of work to fight your way back into that. But that just sort of pisses me off, man. Not because I think the NFL should be getting ragged on, but because I think people are always hunting for things to be negative about with the NBA and finding ways to say the NBA is dying. They have this massive problem that they can't fix. They have that massive problem that they can't fix. And to me, it's just not true. I think the product in the NBA is awesome. I think the product in the NFL is awesome. And I love the NFL playoff slogan. This is a fun time to be alive. And this is a fun time to be talking sports. And by the way, I forgot to mention this breaking news. Looks like I'm going to be in Buffalo next weekend. Looks like I'm going to be at Bill's Chiefs. So, uh, yeah, we'll still do our show. I don't know what the schedule for next weekend is. I don't think that they've laid it out. But you'll be hearing from us. Might be a little bit later. You'll certainly be hearing from us, though. And I will, I will be there. So that'll be fun. All right, guys. That's it for us today. Appreciate you, as always, tuning in. Hope you enjoyed the football this weekend. We talked about... The game's on Saturday and Sunday yesterday, so if you're looking for our thoughts on that, you can go ahead and find that at the Nerd Sesh YouTube page or on our podcast across audio platforms if you just want to listen. You can also follow us across social media, TikTok at Nerd Sesh, where we're doing TikToks. Obviously, that's the name of the platform. We're doing lots of trivia stuff, but we also post clips from our show. You can also follow us on Instagram at NerdSesh and on Twitter at Nerd underscore Sesh. You can also check out our merch if you want. We've got the flags behind us. We've got shirts. We've got hoodies. All of that at thevolume.com. And you can join our Discord if you want to become part of our community. Talk NBA, NFL with the fellas. Always popping off in there. Lots of fun stuff. That you can join at the link in our link tree, which is across our social media bio. So with that, as always, appreciate you guys. I've been Carson Brabber. I have been Logan Camden. And this was Nerd Sash. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.